Welcome back, Rose. Thanks for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blew Me Out on WFHB 91.3 FM in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Cal Demery. And I love that song. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, it's from um, the movie Strange Days. Okay. And uh, I, I just, it, it gets my blood rushing, <laughs> which I need now. How are you doing? Um, like you, I'm very tired, but like it's been a very long day. Yeah. This day could have been a week and it would have like, I just, I, right now my job, I work um, with a freshman group on campus and we hire student mentors every year. And Uh so we are um, in our process of hiring our mentors for next year. So it's like every free moment I have is interviewing a student. Um, And then that was followed up with my regular work, hectic work class schedule and then I had an unexpected informational interview with some of the Smithsonian today, what? Um, which was really cool. But also, I'm someone who needs to know when things are happening. <laughs> and she works in such a department that what she does every day changes depending on what her, I'm going to say, clients yeah. want. Um, and so I got an email last night being like, hey, can we meet tomorrow? And I was like, sure. But like. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you gotta take uh, notice. Yeah, but it was still like up in the air even this morning. But it's the Smithsonian. Yeah, and yeah. She, she's very high up there in, the, you know, in the very niche subsector of museum work I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so office of the window and everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, my friend, um, knew her, put me in contact with her last semester, and it just finally worked out that we got to meet and I got to ask her all my questions about how she did her job and how um, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian handled the stuff that she does, uh, which is really culturally sensitive and, like, there's a lot of security things with it. Yeah. Um, which was great. And I just ha- – I highly suggest everyone do informational interviews because I don't think people think about them uh-huh. when, like, they're – especially if they're starting out, but even not when you're starting out, just like do when you're changing a career. Do you want to explain what that is? So an informational interview is you basically get in contact with somebody who know, who's in your field that you want to go into and say, can I talk to you about your job and like how you got to where you were? Uh-huh. Um, and you kind of get to pr- uh, pick their brain. And like 99.9 of, 99.9% of people are like willing to do it and actually like jump at the chance to talk about themselves yeah. <laughs> um, and their job, especially if they're passionate about it. Um, I really didn't know there were a thing until someone facilitated one for me a couple years ago. Uh-huh. But they're a great way for networking, especially people high up, because you never think to like contact, you know, the person who leads the nation at what you do, what you want to do. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you just have that connection, and sometimes you can just send them an email and be like, "Hey, I'm interested." Right? They may they may not respond, but they also may respond. So you're in my network on LinkedIn. Literally, yeah. <laughs> literally, I'm gonna go at her after this on my LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also just offer people rides home from class because they're gonna put you in connection with people at the Smithsonian. Like that's what I've learned. <laughs> that's amazing. Because <laughs> my friend who got me in contact, I literally would drive her home from class every day, yeah. uh, every week. Um, Be nice to people, folks. Yeah, and just one day. We were talking, and one day she just looks at me. She's like, I know this person at the Smithsonian. Do you want to talk to them? And I was like, name drop the woman. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just been a very 
fulfilling long day. Awesome. Um, yay. So and you're ready for a nap. Yes, very much so. I'm ready for nap and dinner because I had to run to a work meeting right after the interview. Oh, see, I should have brought so. some like donuts or something. <laughs> I don't think we should have food back here, but I won't tell anybody. Um, yeah, I've just been up and going since five this morning, so I'm like, come on, yeah, <laughs> I'm pushing through. I'm here for you guys, and I like being here. Um, and later in this segment, just a little segue as a teaser mm-hmm. we're going to be ta- doing historical segment today what? um so that will come after we cover the news so expect that as well um yeah. so yeah how about you melanie <laughs> <laughs> i um <laughs> so i've been uh on and off sick for the past yeah. couple weeks and um i've got a uh i'm having i'm the the middle of uh a it's mild now. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming down, and I'm taking uh, Tylenol for it. Um, but um, uh, gallbladder attack. So yay! Uh, and then in what a week and a half, I go in for a consult for surgery to have it yeeted. Yate. What is the past tense of yeeted? Yeeted. Mm-hmm. Okay, that doesn't. That's sound what I fun. say. I always say yeeted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yate doesn't sound really no. great. Um, but it rhymes. And, uh, so I, I just couldn't sleep. I was, uh, up learning how to work in terminal and was doing some other things that I've never done before on, on Mac. Uh, so I could, uh, work on a, a PC and that was new. <laughs> so I got to learn how to do all that. And then it led me to a bunch of different things and rabbit holes and, Whew. Yeah. So I've been, I've been nonstop. Uh, although there was like a couple hours when I laid down and I was like, I'm going to sleep now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a nap. And then I wasn't. I was just scrolling for news and, and information and backstory. And yeah. Well, I hope after this, you get a little bit of rest and I hope that the pain eases soon. I, um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, rest, whatever. Uh, it just gets in the way of living. Uh, Justin isn't with us. We didn't yeah, cover that. Unfortunately, no. Yeah, he's doing some things uh, as he is wont to do. Not with the queen. But we've got a lot of new stuff. Some of it's ridiculous. Some of it's really serious. Um, some of it's even good. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have a whole lot of good before. Um, but we've got more now. Uh, um, do we want to get into that? Because, okay, there's some local ish news indiana news yes that's good mm-hmm. and this this popped up um there are all kinds of lawsuits that the aclu is a part of mm-hmm. every year and they're they concern themselves with how um how your rights as a citizen as a person uh come into conflict with other people's lives mm-hmm. and beliefs and we have a lot of those that are happening in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, since queer people have started coming out younger and younger, schools have, some schools, uh, have wasted no time in trying to keep kids from using bathrooms, joining teams, having clubs. And we've covered that a lot in the past, but we live in a kind of a weird place because we are, we're in Indiana. It's very red. Mm-hmm. The northernmost 
northernmost southern state mm-hmm. uh, or uh, the middle finger of the south and the north. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I like I, that. I can't get it out of my head. I think I heard it in high school. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's very conservative, of course. And we had that raft of, of, uh, bills that went through last year, but we've had, you know, the bathroom bills have been going on for what, four years now, five mm-hmm. years. And there's still, um, there's still schools that are refusing to let trans kids use the bathroom that is proper for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll make them use, you know, a bucket in the closet in the nurse's office or I, that's not, not a bucket, but they'll make them use one restroom in the office that's far away from everything else and absolutely incredibly inconvenient. And these aren't, you know, these are just kids having to use the bathroom. Nobody's being lewd. There have been no reported problems in Indiana, at least. And um, the problems that have been reported weren't, you know, the the flood of trans kids who are trying to abuse people in bathrooms or people pretending to be the the fear mongering isn't true so anyway do you want to i just never understood the whole rage over the bathrooms issue because especially in schools because if they really care like what's going on in the bathroom smoking they're smoking in there that's what they're doing yeah <laughs> or as they Vaping. did in my high school they were trading sneakers but because um, there was a like an underground sneaker like thing, uh, black market going on in my school. But um, like they're smoking, like that's what's happening in bathrooms. You got those Converse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even like going, like hearing certain conservative politicians talk, I'm like, what do you think happens in a woman's bathroom? <laughs> I, <laughs> like <laughs> they don't know, and that scares them. It's, it's mysterious and nebulous and there's, there's all kinds of things that, you know, can open you up to dangers. Yeah. And, oh, and the litter boxes. Don't forget the litter boxes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just never understood the whole bathroom debate. Cause I mean, as a kid, I would go in the bathroom with whatever parent I was with. Right. And like, Multiple times my mom took me into the men's restroom because the women's restroom either was locked or, like, had too long a line. And, like, I was the kid who didn't tell her I had to go to the bathroom until, like, I had to go to the bathroom. Like, who cares? They're sex-segregated safe spaces, although conservative people don't like safe spaces. Uh, But in this case, they'll make an exception. And they're a refuge, I guess, is how they... They conceptualize it, which I mean, you know, bathrooms kind of should be a refuge. Uh, but America is weird in many ways. Like in Europe, there are a lot more, um, you know, open restroom facilities and things like that where it's not quite so, uh, uh, radically segregated. And maybe just Americans are more dangerous than, uh, that's true. Other places and we just automatically assume people are out to do horrible things you know i don't this whole bathroom issues i don't think it's the fear of trans people okay this is gonna be a joke it's because (laughs) thank you for the preface it's because there's giant wide gaps in the stall doors so you can see everything that's going on yeah no that's (laughs) like it was more closed off i don't think we'd be having this conversation all you have to do is put a little piece of trim there like a little piece. That's it's not going to cost a whole lot extra. Like have the walls go have the walls go all the way down to the floor. Right. 
Like if the door doesn't open, you can't go in. No looking under, no yeah. like peeking through the crack. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Why, why isn't that a thing? Yeah. If they're so concerned, then let's invest in some better infrastructure. Right. Oh, <laughs> no, that's socialist. <laughs> Investing in infrastructure. My God. Anyway, <laughs> how does this connect to, to this week and Indiana? Um, so the Metropolitan School District of Martinsville, Indiana. That's right. Next um, door. Yeah. So here's a little bit of a story. There is a transgender student who wanted to use the bathroom that corresponds with his gender identity. Um, school said no, parents sue. Because uh, saying the Constitution's 14th Amendment says that the law equals, equally applies to everyone or Title IX saying federal uh, law federal pro, uh, prohibits sex discrimination education, therefore protecting transgender students in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, s- school sues um, in 2023, the Chicago-based 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against the school district um, saying that um, – trans kids are protected mm-hmm. under the 14th Amendment and Title IX and that, you know, they should be able to use their bathrooms. And this is where I was getting to the point about Indiana's conservative, mm-hmm. but the seventh you know, district court is is our court. Yes. So and they're more liberal leaning. Mm-hmm. So it these these things get um brought up a lot mm-hmm. and decided in fairly decent manners um so so circuit court of appeals said ruled against the school district Mm. and said no trans people can use their chosen bathrooms martinsville the like school district was like i'm gonna go to supreme court so they went to supreme court and on tuesday the supreme court declined to weigh in on the issue Mm -hmm. and basically that means that they are going to defer to the previous circuit court of appeals decision and it doesn't necessarily mean that they agree, but they're not addressing it now. Right. But this it's still a win because um, it's upholding the right for transgender students to use the bathrooms that they're choosing. Right. So yeah. The, it, it stands. Mm-hmm. And that that is the biggest thing. So sometimes and even on I mean, especially for this court that we're looking at now, um, it's going to be deciding uh, whether or not Trump is going to be able to be on ballots and. Um, what his fate is, uh, but also, you know, there are all these bills across the country that are going to be going before them that mm-hmm. have already been decided in Tennessee and Florida and all these other places that have been struck down or have been uh, upheld. And those are going to be put, you know, before them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they rule on LGBTQ issues because, I mean, this is, Martinsville, mm-hmm. Martinsville High School in Indiana, not the most populous state, not the most, um, uh, you know, important little town or anything like that. Um, but it is big because it further upholds, you know, your right to go to the bathroom and uh, that in the correct restroom that corresponds with your gender identity. I also want to publicly thank the family that went through this whole process mm-hmm. to protect their kid um, and protect their kids' rights. Cause like that had, that probably was not very fun. 
and you probably spent a lot of money. Um, but you've also helped make history in a way, like help make pr- uh, legal history <laughs> um, of holding up a precedent. And you expose your family mm-hmm. to so much stress and, you know, it's hard enough being in school, let alone having to go through this whole thing. It's hard enough to have teenagers, uh, let alone having to go through all of this. Um, and, and some friends of the show are doing this right now mm-hmm. in Indiana and, um, and with the ACLU because you have to. Sometimes you really just have to, to dig in, support your kid. But also it's supporting us all. Um, and that, that could be for bathroom issues. It could be for other access issues. It could be for, uh, you know, the, the right to, um, go to the prom. Mm-hmm. I remember when that was huge. I, and, and that wasn't so long ago. And, uh, to have a GSA mm-hmm. and that hasn't been so long ago. So I really want people to see that we are making progress. Mm-hmm. Even though we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff this year. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be encountering things that you know, court cases that are coming up based on the legislation from the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be an emotional roller coaster, but the arc is still leaning toward justice ish. Um, we just have to make sure it keeps going that way. So. That more on that later too in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's, that's great. And to come out of Martinsville and for a kid in Martinsville to stand up as well. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine what I'm going to presume that everyone, like, how do I phrase this? I'm presume the student probably is going to get backlash mm-hmm. from all of this. And I only wish him happiness and joy specifically queer joy because wow that's a lot to go through as a teenager yeah yeah um and the bravery it takes just to come out in the place that is it has a reputation Mm -hmm. for um for not being so open and just living your truth um i know some trans folk in martinsville and it's it's tough for adults and Martinsville schools, it's not hard to not be homophobic. <laughs> uh, like, in my middle school, my principal came out as gay, like, sixth grade, and I was in sixth grade or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And my whole friend group came out, like, two days later <laughs> because we knew how we had the support. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we still dealt with our fair share of stuff. But, like, you know, we didn't face issues from the school because right. – Mr. Price took it all. Um, and, so, and that is another. That's the representation mm-hmm. <laughs> is is absolutely key. Um, and with all these the, all these bills and these don't say gay laws and stuff like that coming uh, up, where it's it's chilling the atmosphere. It's keeping people from being open, uh, sometimes literally, and um, and that's. Their intent is to keep kids from seeing that it's okay to be yourself. Um, so kudos to everybody that's doing that. Um, some local happenings, talking about representation and everything. Uh, 
over across the street from where we are now, the back door, having a Beyond the Binary and All Trans and Non-Binary Dragon Burlesque show, 21 plus. Um, it is going, it's, uh, Oliver Closeoff brings along Kit St. Clair to host, starring Miss Thing, Bernie Mac, Vivica Darko, and Maisie. Tickets sold at the door for $10 cash, $12 card, bar opens at 7, shows at 10 no cover dance party at 12. Again, 21 plus only. Oliver Closeoff. <laughs> I, I, I love drag names. <laughs> my best friend, one of my best friends, drag name is, he, he named him, he named his persona after our school nurse, whose name was Miss C, was named Misty. Yeah. And so his drag persona is Miss T. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Um, um, there. Do we want to mix up? We don't want to do all the good news first, right? Let's leave some for. For a well, bit. I the second story that's good news, arguably is can go either way depending your feeling about the justice system. Um, what I was most interested in is how it's affecting how we enforce and uh hate crimes in courts, mm. like how we punish people for those that. It'll make sense when I tell the story, but it's not necessarily like a good story. Yeah. Um. But we can just go into it if you want. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Um. So we all remember the um shooting in Colorado at, at Club Q. Uh, the shooter who I will not name. I do not believe in naming uh those people. Um, has had so okay. Last was it last year? Well, like late last year, uh, they were sentenced um, to a hundred and nine year, hundred and ninety year sentence, mm-hmm. um, getting forty six counts of attempted murder and m- multiple charges of murder um, during the Club Q attack. However, the federal government has come back and now um, added an additional fifty hate crime charges mm-hmm. against this person and twenty four firearm violations. Um, the person has decided to plead guilty and part of a plea agreement, but that's great. We're seeing justice. That's not why I'm telling this story. I'm telling this story is because death penalty. The reason he chose the plea uh, plea agreement is because the death penalty was on the table over the hate crime charges. Mm-hmm. And now this is the second time in a week the federal government has said hate crimes can lead to the death penalty because I did that with the Buffalo shooter earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just thought it was really interesting, and I know this is probably not the place to have that nuanced conversation, but I think it's a good thing for us to think about of um, if you believe in the death penalty, should hate crimes cover that? If you don't believe in the death penalty, then what's a suitable punishment for these horrid hate crimes? Um, But it's just a change in how we enforce these hate – enforce laws surrounding hate crimes, and I thought it was interesting to share. Right. Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about the death penalty. I'm not here to stir up those emotions. I just thought it was interesting to think about. As a measure of how seriously they take hate crimes. Yes. um, And and the prosecution of them. Because for a long time, yeah, there were hate crimes on the table, but they were rarely used. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for them to to have such weight, Mm -hmm. again... That's progress. Um, because for the longest time, oh, it's, 
you know, it's free speech or it's, you know, it's just, it's not really, you can't prove malice. You can't prove that this was motivated by malice toward any group. Um, and they're getting better at, uh, at prosecuting that. So I'm all for that prosecute away and, uh, and levy heavy, heavy penalties because of it. Not just, Oh, you get an extra few months. Um, it needs to, it needs to be, if you're going to use a punishment as a deterrent, mm-hmm. not that that always actually has that effect, but it would help if there was actually some weight behind it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that is, that is good news in that way. Um, again, like you said, not wanting to wade into the, the death penalty thing. Um, uh, that is a whole other, can of worms <laughs> yeah but there's also some stuff that's com- coming up that we're gonna have to deal with uh, in having to do with how people are incarcerated mm-hmm. in uh as far as indiana law goes so we'll cover that in, in another show um it it always seems like in the coldest part of the year when we're all farthest apart is when they pull all the stuff out to <laughs> to contemplate and we really should be getting together and talking about the implications and stuff. So I hope everybody out there actually does that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good time. I think we're going to take a, a break. We have a song mm-hmm. brought in by Alyssa and not like physically brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, Alyssa knows the, the artists mm-hmm. and um uh, is very excited to play it. So we're going to hear Cry Revolution by Jesse Lee. Who's a Hoosier grown musician. And this song can be found on Spotify, Facebook, and Instagram. First, God created light and then the blue, blue sky. Then, of course, the land and the seas. He made the stars above. The fish and then the doves, the animals and ones like you and me. He took a rest and saw his craft, and saw it wasn't his last draft. He quickly became bored with the peace he had made. He added fruit we couldn't touch, and curiosity because sometimes people need But on the eighth day, men created borders and started taking orders from people we ordained should rule us all. Put their boots on our nets, also that they can protect the nation that they made at the Lord's call. Manifest a destiny They promised that the Trinity Voted for long ago in holy halls Then they scorched and tore the earth And anyone who had birth Did not quite resemble them at all Build it up to break it down Fight over our plated ground While the real kings look down with a smile from hell Knowing that they got us fooled Living by their rules While we cry revolution to ourselves Still wasting lumber to block out anyone 
who doesn't share our skin tone and our last name. And instead of building tables in a place for those less able, we build something to keep them in their place. They say good fences make a name, but we can never share their spoils. But share and teach his folks just to laze about. So before we build a wall, I would really like to know what we're walling in and walling out. Build it up to break it down, fight over our faded crown, while the real geeks look down with a smile from hell, knowing that they got us fooled by their rules, while we cry revolution for ourselves. This isn't something new you'll see, designed by folks like you and me, it's written in the stars that the old kings forged. Fueled by blood and sweat that burns an eerie crimson red A rosy shade that we've come to adore Separate us by our class, by our gods, by our grass That's never quite as green as right next door If we tear down the walls we built instead of killed Or be killed, we might find a world worth fighting for Build it up to break it down, fight over our lady crown country fan Mm -hmm. i love this this is like wow (laughs) um i immediately like i made um first few seconds of the song played and i made like i was like wow like (laughs) at melody and she's like i know right (laughs) Um, and then i immediately added it to my spotify like like songs Yeah, no, no. Go check out Jesse Lee. Um, so also Jesse is uh, a product of Martinsville. Speaking yes. of, Alyssa came in and was, and was filling us in on that. So, um, and this is why I wanted her to like introduce it because she got all the backstory and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, it's produced by somebody from Martinsville. It's and uh, it, it just just goes to show you that um, even. Martinsville uh, has amazing, amazing queer folk because Jesse's also queer. Mm-hmm. So yay! Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an anthem. This is this is something I think that needs to be played uh, all the time now. So uh, head over to Insta or your Spotify and and uh, add this. However you do that, because I don't know. I don't use those services. And the song is called Cry Revolution. Um, but there's like new music coming out that's also in the same vein. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yay! Just be on the lookout. There's good stuff coming. I'm gonna have to start liking country. Mm-hmm. And like, 
Banjos seriously I, give me anxiety. I don't like what I call post 9-11 country. Oh, yeah. That's what I call it. Yeah. Okay. I don't like that country. But I, this type of country, outlaw um, yeah. country music, well, or like I kill my husband. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All that stuff I really like. My my country enjoyment ended at the Mandrell sisters breaking up. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who, who aren't that old, um, it, it was back in the Reagan administration. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a very dark time. Um, so just another... I blame Teased. Megan for that too. <laughs> Sorry. Just another teaser. We will be having a history segment, but we do have a few news things to cover before we get there. Um, but our history segment, we will be talking about the public universal friend. Yes. So let's, um, let's make sure we give some time to that. Yeah. So, uh, make sure we're giving time to our news. Uh, Alabama mm. has some news. <laughs> Never a good thing. Well, Martin Luther King came from Alabama, so I can't say that. (laughs) But um, Alabama can't – a court ruled that Alabama can't enforce a ban on gender-affirming care for trans minors. So back in 2022, uh, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey – I'm going to assume that's how you say his name – signed the Vulnerable Children Compassion and Protection Act into law, which is an oxymoron, uh, making it a – felony punishable up by, uh, to 10 years in prison for doctors to treat people under the age of 19 with puberty blockers or hormones to help affirm their gender identity. 19. Not 18. 19. And across the country, the numbers are creeping up. Yes. It's like my child, when I when I was telling her, you can't do pot, mm-hmm. you can't smoke pot, do pot. Yeah, <laughs> if you can't smoke pot until you're like, you know, 24. Mm-hmm. And then I said 25 and then, (laughs) but that's what they're doing Mm -hmm. um, here and across the country. Sorry. I just wanted to add. No, you're fine. Um, So a federal appeals court ruled Thursday. Now. Okay. Federal courts have different circuits. Like just because this was ruled here does not mean it's how it is in Indiana. It, it, the legal system is a little complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, a federal appeals court ruled that in, on Thursday that Alabama can immediately begin enforcing a ban that was already in place outlawing the use of puberty blockers and hormones to treat transgender people under the age of 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have that ban here in Indiana under the yes. age of 18, mm-hmm. which is currently in litigation. Yes. Um, uh, the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals had previously ruled that the injunction should be vacated. Um, but this decision has been effectively on hold while families of transgender children ask for, for a full appellate court to reconsider the decision. Um, and so all this ruling does is block that injunction. So injunction stops the law from going into effect mm-hmm. while the courts figure out if it's legal. This ruling kicked that injunction to the curb and said, law can still go on. Yeah. You guys will still argue over it, but the law is in effect now. Um, so it's still up to federal courts and court the circuit courts um to decide this case if they're defer it or if they see it and then what they choose what they decide um so it's not like this is the end all be all of the story and it's not really the the ramifications f- starting right now are dire for mm-hmm. kids in in alabama um so we have it here and and we're it's an appeal. 
um, and there's an injunction. In Kentucky, they had an injunction. They had that law passed, and the injunction was lifted. Mm -hmm. And there was immediately that week, there was a wave of uh, young people committing suicide. Yes. Now, here's... Here's what made me – I mean this whole situation made me mad, OK? But I went and read the bill because I wanted to know what was in it. Mm-hmm. And it will make you extremely mad because this is what it said. The legislature finds as follows. The long-term effects and safety of the administration of puberty blocker medications and cross-sex hormones to gender incongruent children have not been rigorously studied. Absent rigorous studies showing their long-term safety and positive benefits and their continued administration to children constitutes dangerous and uncontrollable human medical experimentation that may result in grave and irreversible consequences for their physical and mental health. Studies have shown that a substantial majority of prepubescent children who claim gender identity different from their biological sex will ultimately identify with their biological sex by young adulthood or sooner, when supported through their natural puberty. There is no psychological or medical test that can differentiate between the majority of children who would desist from their gender incongruence and the minority who will not. Research shows that the administration of puberty blocking medications and cross-sex hormones forecloses the possibility of a natural recovery from this condition. There is no rigorous studies that show that gender-changing therapies performed on children, including the administration of puberty-blocking medications and the administration of opposite sex hormones or surgeries, intend to approximate the appearance of the opposite sex, um, have any long-term beneficial effect, including the reduction of suicide risk, which is – all of this is factually wrong. Every single word of that is wrong. Yes. Every single word. Because let, let's go let's, – let me quickly go through this. Um, long-term effects and safety of them have not been regularly studied. They have been studied since pre, uh, pre-World War II. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of studies showing that it has um, – that they have a um, good effect, good health side effects. Uh, like There's positive with, outcomes. Positive with, outcomes. Thank with you. With use and, and proper administration of yes. these drugs in the proper cases. Yes. And also that without these, this medical care, suicide risk increases. Much, much higher than mm-hmm. if, if not. Yeah. Um, and also the studies that they, uh, or, or research is usually one or two studies. And especially the one where, um, you know, the majority of kids desist. Number one, there's no reason given to why this, they desist. Uh, number two, that study, the one study that showed that was horribly flawed mm-hmm. and is countered by many other studies showing that the majority do not desist. And when they do desist, it's mostly due to fam- familial and social pressures. Something else I had a problem with in this bill um, is it's temporary. Sorry. I wanted to add that. Yeah. Is that, and it's a bill that makes me think that I won't be held up in court. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading through it and it's like listing all the things that you're not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is not performing surgeries to sterilize, including castration, vasectomy, hysterectomy, or from mectory, orchid, I can't say that. Orchiectomy. Thank you. And pinotectomy. I think mm-hmm. that's how you say it. Um, and then in the allocations of when you can do it, there's no allocation for health. Right. And health problems. Right. 
So this affects cis people as well in this bill. Cis people and? So this is why I don't think it will be upheld in court because it it's a blatant like. Across the board. Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it shouldn't be upheld normally, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Um, because I had, um, an orphorectomy because of health reasons. And so like, I always look for that in these bills. Yeah. Um, because then you can get like women's groups and mm-hmm. on trying to get rid of these bills. Um, and there's no allocation well, for it. I, I, they're obviously not using actual factual reasons or reasoning or anything for this it they used a bunch of uh carefully worded gobbledygook Mm -hmm. uh to try to justify this but it it wouldn't stand up to any scrutiny um and uh, you know they're also uh in in some ways it's it can be seen as positive so all the the intersex kids that would normally get hacked upon uh from infancy that they won't be able to do any of that there is an allocation for that. What? Yep. Well, what are they trying to save then? Exactly. <sighs> yeah. Yep. That's the reason why I read the bill. It's mm-hmm. it's not very long. You can look it up yourself. It's like it's well, two I mean, pages. It's Alabama and have a hard time with <laughs> Yeah, they that's their lowest literacy rate. <laughs> it doesn't fit on the bathroom stall. <laughs> okay. One last news story before we get into the public universal friend. Yeah. Um so you may have heard there was a transgender candidate, candidate, uh, office candidate, like running for office candidate, who um, was disqualified because they did not put their dead name mm-hmm. on their thing, despite all like the legal pathways being done to change their name and everything. Um, since conservatives found out this little loophole. Well, we'll talk about if it's actually a loophole and if it's legally standing. Uh, several transgender candidates for state offices in Ohio are facing challenges and even outright disqualification for admitting their former name for not for admitting their former names on petition paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, so, three of the four transgender candidates are hoping to win Democratic seats in Republican-dominated Ohio House and Senate. Have either been challenged or disqualified? I just said that. Um, and uh, for not putting their former name, also called a dead name. Uh, on petitions for their ballot. But state law mandates that candidates can list any name changes in the last five years. Uh, oh, have to list any name changes in the last five years. Um, but that isn't in the Secretary of State's 33-page 30, 30, 30 ca- uh, candidate requirement guide. So how would they know? Exactly. Um, additionally, petition paperwork does not have any place to list formal names and exempts name changes due to marriage. Then how do they put it down? Exactly. So it's just like, you know clearly and you can change your name anybody anybody can change their name mm-hmm. on a marriage certificate like your complete name if you want to go by you know skyfall aloysius tweety bird you can uh just put it down on your marriage certificate yeah so it's total nonsense um but it's making it a pain for these transgender candidates to you know try to to help their communities yeah and get leadership that looks like them representation so yeah i just want to note on that before i went to public universal friend list there's anything you want to add melanie i i i really wish that our our legal system was a little bit faster because these Mm -hmm. things really just need to get done i mean we've been dragging our feet for decades Mm -hmm. right i'm going on my third decade of 
uh, living authentically. <laughs> and, and it seems glacial, you know, um, the previous two decades were horrible, but, you know, as we gain parity, uh, in the society, you really want to see it like accelerate, but I don't want to take up more time because we have a uh, very limited time for somebody who, who needs to be brought up, I think. So you know how people say that non-binary people are confused and they never existed in history and like all of that be, uh, potty stuff. So I almost said another word. <laughs> um, well, that's wrong because we have the public universal friend. Um, who? Yeah, the public universal friend who uh, I'm going to shorten to friend. Uh-huh. That's what a lot of historians have done and just use friend as their name. As opposed to puff. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but they also went by puff. Really? Which is hilarious. That's amazing. Um, and I'm going to use they them pronouns because uh-huh. um, that's from what we can gather is kind of what was used. Okay. Um, we're talking like early American settlement, North American settlement here. We're talking like uh, 1752. So like English is really different. (laughs) Um, And they kind of used he, they pronouns interchangeably. But like that wouldn't mean the same thing today because they were calling everybody he. Uh, Because like English. Forsooth. (laughs) Yes. Um, But, okay, the Universal Public Friend was born in Rhode Island on November 29th, 1752. We know this because we have access um, to family records with their dead name. I am not going to dead name them. Um, They are described as having fine black hair and eyes and from an early age was strong and athletic and becoming um, a horse person. Like, loving horses, wanting to take care of horses, huge equestrian. Growing up, the friend uh, the friend went to local Quaker meetings, which was really typical at the time. Um, and when they're their early twenties, a religious group called the New Light Baptists visited their town in Rhode Island. The New Light Baptists were this like really intense religious group whose leaders made these impassioned speeches, like um, and this radical approach to worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, twenty year old friend is like. I'm interested, you know? Um, so, and this is all during the first great awakening. If you ever took a push, you know what that is. If you haven't, not that big a deal. Um, so friend gets into this. Then in 1776, friend gets sick and we think they had typhus. Mm. Um, but like they got super deadly fever, like wasn't going to live. And then miraculously friend survives. So wow. friend transformed, had a religious awakening, told their families that they had died and the spirit of God had brought them back to life as a new person that was neither male nor female. And that this new person was called the public universal friend and lived only to serve God. Huh. Why was this not in our history textbooks? Right? Like this is an interesting story. This is very uh, transgressive. And we'll get history. we'll get to it. Um, but the religious s- – beliefs and sect that friends comes up with mm-hmm. it's the first established religious party in america huh. like not political party but like group of people to yeah. make it like essentially their own denomination okay so um the friend refused to respond to their dead name and they dressed in a combination of male and female clothing including vests neckties and skirts they kept their hair short on top of their head with ringlets in the back 
That's a look. Business in the front, party in the rear has always been a queer look. Um, They asked not to be referred with gender pronouns and followers of friend because they were gathering a following after having this rebirth. Uh Um, uh, The followers mostly respected their wishes and only referred to them as the public universal friend or short farms as the friend or the puff. (laughs) Uh, P-U-F. Or they um, – and many avoid using gender-specific pronouns even in the private diaries. Mm-hmm. Now, others used he. Again, this is – could be an etymology thing, not necessarily like a We were not- taught in grade school in the 80s to use he whenever there was a question. Yeah. So. Um, and best answer I've ever heard, when someone asked if friend was male or female, the preacher replied, I am that I am, which is a quote that God, that God says during the burning bush. Uh, to Moses. Yeah. Um, so. And also Papa uses. Yeah. Uh, so the friend's Quaker family did not actually believe the story, dismissed him from the community. Mm-hmm. Familiar story. But friend was not deterred. They go traveling with their followers all over New England and the Mid-Atlantic regions and continue to preach and build their own community. Little found family, if you will. Yeah. Um, and guess what they were called? The Universal Friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, is this sounding a little culty? A little. Yeah, but you know it's okay. You know we're we're here doing history. History, like neither good nor bad. People are people are in this gray scale. Like okay, not all of our queer icons are going to be a plus fantastic good people, and they're not all going to be. But it bad doesn't people. sound like they're the kind of we're building a compound and we're collecting no. weapons and uh, um, having you know uh, sixty thousand like wives and all that. I'm going to talk about their politics, okay? Because these are some radical politics. Um, so they encourage the universal friends to honor God's teachings, treat others as they wish to be treated, pursue a righteous and peaceful life. Um, friends stressed free will, opposed slavery, and supported sexual abstinence. Um, and women, unmarried women, took leadership roles in their household households and community for the Universal Friends. Where they meet now? Um, <laughs> oh, just around different places in New England, and then they tried to establish like a no, commune. I mean, like, meetings now. Oh, <laughs> um, well, they try. Well, the Universal Friends, led by friend, uh, tried to basically set up a commune, a community, uh-huh. and it failed. But um, they still had, you know, these little communities of supporters. Um, and all the women who took all these leadership roles were known as the Faithful Sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interesting story where. Um, Around 1785, Friend met Sarah and Abraham Richards. The Richards were on an, in, in an unhappy marriage that ended in 1786 when Abraham died on a visit to the public universal friend. Mm. And guess what? Sarah and her baby take up residence with the friend um, and adopts a similar, similar style mannerisms, androgynous style going by non like non-binary pronouns and everything. And friend was even entrusted uh the Richards in holding the society's property and trust, so like they were in charge of everything. Hmm. Um and when she, uh Sarah died, oh, Sarah was known as Sarah Friend. 
so he even took the name. When Sarah died, le- she left her child to the friend's care. So, like, some juicy gossip there. Yeah. Uh, so, a friend passed away in 1819. Uh, the Universal Friends told the world they had left time. Not that they had died, but they had left time because they believed that friend had died in 1776 when they had that fever uh-huh. and had been reborn like the Messiah. Um, and after that, the congregation's numbers dwindled due to their inability to attract new converts. Um, and unfortunately, the Society of Universal, Universal Friends disappeared by the 1860s. Um, but some interesting things about telling the Friends story. 18th and 19th century, they were villainized by historians. Mm-hmm. And um, they suggested that it was an entire illness or that it was all being faked for attention um, or that maybe it was a woman dis- disguising herself to, like, be a preacher. Right. Because that wasn't allowed. Um, of course. And there was also these myths that friend was just, like, not a good person. But, like, they all have been proven not true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the public universal friend um, around in 1700s as an, as what we would probably call a non-binary person for yeah. lack of better language. But they were neither male nor female. Representation early on. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but we are out of time. There's more stuff we need to go into next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have updates and things on other stories. And there was something that happened yesterday that uh, <laughs> in Kentucky that I really, that's, it's just too we hilarious. Need, we'll yeah, we need to talk about it. About it. <laughs> um, support for Blooming Out is brought to you by Blooming Foods Co-op Market, Blooming Food, Bloomington's community-owned cooperative uh, grocery supporting local farms and businesses since 1976. Owned by over 8,000 residents across Monroe County and beyond, Blooming Foods offers Local, healthy, sustainable, and environmentally friendly products. Blooming Foods East is located at 3220 East 3rd Street by College Mall, and Blooming Foods West is located at 316 West 6th Street near the square. Get more information at bloomingfoods.coop. Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and is produced by Melanie Davis and Cade Young. Our engineer is Alyssa Gray. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Cal Demery. I'm Melanie Davis, and I... Again, can't stress this enough. You are loved, people. Listen to that. Know it. Live it. We're here. We're queer. And we refuse to live in fear. Good night. Night, y'all. Heartbreaks and promises. I've had more than my share.
Won't you promise me the world World that I've already heard This time, for me baby